everybody. This is Casey Forbes. And I'm Sarah Cuvion. And this is Let the Good Crimes Roll. Sarah, how are you today? I'm doing good. I'm like excited to hear this title here. Okay, so the title is It's a Paula Abdul song. Okay. Let's see if you can guess it. Oh. They said it at the very end of the, the of this episode. A cold hearted snake. No. Oh, into his eyes. Uh oh. Oh, He's been man. Us. That's yeah. a good one. I love it. I'll dive into it. This is Dateline NBC season 30, episode 16, called Venom. Mm-hmm. I'm obsessed with Dateline. I think mm-hmm. I've seen every episode. I mean, it's a classic. You can't. It's so good. It. It's so well done. Mm-hmm. I love Dateline NBC. Andrea Cannon got some teeth done. Did you notice? No. I didn't she could barely attention. close her mouth. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, girl, (laughs) you didn't have to do that. Um, But she looks fabulous as ever. Yeah, she's always been pretty. So, well, Sarah, do you have any updates this week? Anything? Not really. I just told you I'm super tired because of the weather last night. woke me up and I thought like a tree was going to fall in our house. But Mm -hmm. apparently I wasn't worried enough to actually get up and check on anything. You're like, if it's my time, it's my time, you know. Guess we're going to (laughs) go. Yeah. But yeah, and then the night before I didn't sleep well. So I'm just dragging right now. And I feel like I'm doing that the whole time. Oh, that was me the other day. Just (laughs) pollen. It's ridiculous. We'll dive into it. We don't really have a cousin catch up. Um, In two weeks, uh, we do have the DSAG buddy walk. Yeah, I signed up and I signed. I saw that. Me, Olivia, and mom and dad all signed up. So So if you find it in your heart to donate to the Fantastic Forbes, please feel free. Um, Also, if you like the podcast, make sure to rate and review us and um, spread the word. And if there's anything Tell you want friends. us to, to talk about, send us an email at the good crimes roll at protonmail.com or you can direct message us on Facebook. Absolutely. You could try on Instagram, but I'm not gonna lie, I don't check Instagram that often. And I don't have access to Instagram, so if you get if you do Facebook, Which I can mean check you don't it. have access to Instagram. I don't have access to our Instagram. Okay, well I need well, I'm to get not, you that. Like, I'm not complaining, it's fine. <laughs> I need to get you that. <laughs> but I've like an good. admin on our Facebook page so I can check handle that. that part of it. Yeah, yes. so check it out. Well, we're gonna deep dive into this. Like I said, this is Dateline NBC, season 30, episode 16, called Venom. It's June 2017, and we are in New Florence, Missouri, not far from St. Louis. We are on a 72-acre family farm that is tucked away in a vastly wooded area. A 911 call interrupts what should be a quiet evening. 911, emergency. All that came through were desperate cries, confusion. On the line is a distraught woman. She's just screaming, there's blood everywhere. The woman explains to the dispatcher that she came home and found her 29-year-old husband in a pool of blood. I feel like the word the phrase pool of blood is so you is used so often. Mm-hmm. He was in a pool of blood. <laughs> I don't like that say I don't know. Is what that I the think? actual phrase she used? Well no, in the in the nine one one call, she's like, There's blood everywhere. <laughs> that would be me. Yeah. She wasn't <laughs> like me. My husband's in a pool of blood. <laughs> A few minutes later, the woman's brother-in-law is on the phone with the 911 operator. You know what happened? No. It had a little shake. Literally, I don't know where the stink is. Oh, my God. And he's screaming that the man had to have been attacked by a snake. A snake? A That's snake. You're like, what in the hell? What is he uh, yeah. attacked by? So a when, snake? When you sent me this screenshot of this 
thing. I saw the title of that episode was called Venom, but it didn't click in my head mm-hmm. until we were like, until I was like into the documentary. It's like, oh, because I don't like snakes. Like, they no. freak me out. And I was like, oh, man, I'm going to have to see snakes throughout this whole damn thing. I know me and Ben probably wouldn't be friends. No. Let's be honest. I mean, look, it's great. I'm sure they're wonderful creatures, but I'd would rather them stay at a distance. Have we not seen the movie Anaconda? Oh. The original and the remake? Yeah. Well, I haven't seen the remake, but I saw the original. It's dreadful. Oh, God, it's so bad. It's about as awful as the it's original. So-, so local authorities are on their way, and they're told that a 600-pound python was on the loose and believed to be the culprit behind the crime. Authorities learned that the building they're going to was a snake farm that housed nearly 2,000 snakes. I'm sorry. How would you like to be the officer that had to respond to that call? Like, I would die. I'm telling you, all I could picture is the movie Anaconda and just walking. Because it is funny because one of the EMTs that was there, she was raised around snakes. Mm-hmm. And all of these big burly guys are like, if I see it, I'm shooting that son yeah. of a bitch. And she's like, <laughs> y'all. I had been raised with a snake. I wasn't afraid of a snake. So they've all got out shotguns and they're ready to just start blasting at a snake if it comes at him. Like, come on, guys. The police. Yes, the police. It's a 600-pound snake. You're going to see it coming. It's a 600-pound python. You're going to see it coming. (laughs) You're going to see it coming, and they're not super fast. That's like, you know, that's like, and people who are not from around here, you may not know this, but in our mall, we have what is called the Blue Zoo, Mm -hmm. and it's like this aquarium kind of thing. Well, they have this giant yellow python her name is Kara and she escaped and she was in like the ceiling of like I guess she stayed in their area but like she was in the ceiling for like what several days before they could find her remember someone made her um a a Facebook page. Oh, yeah. And it was like, like it was Kara. from her point of view. Yeah, like as if she was in like uh, going and visiting the stores. Yeah. <laughs> it was so Today funny. I decided to go to uh, Bath and Body Works. Yeah, it was funny because Hope, my sister-in-law, took Olivia and her kids to to go to the bluesy that day when they had picked her up i don't think any of them actually knew and i wasn't gonna tell them because you know i had a day off so i was like yeah, yeah. just go it's gonna be fine. be fine yeah they're fine yeah they didn't see her anyway but next time we went they finally caught her and we saw her yeah that was pretty funny because like shut <laughs> the whole mall down <laughs> kara made a break for it can you imagine being the worker that comes in that day and they're like have y'all seen kara <laughs> like how are you gonna miss this giant bright yellow yeah. snake um do we have anyone seen kara did, did you take her to the back or something? Because her cage is kind of empty. Yeah, that would be terrible. That's hysterical. So the owner of this snake farm, his name was Ben Rennick. He was a man who was very popular in the snake community for breeding designer snakes. I don't I, I, I don't know. I don't have any thoughts on that. I just think breeding designer snakes. Like, don't we have enough snakes? So I have a friend I went to high school with. He that's his whole business is he like breeds like these fancy snakes and stuff. And I'm like continually amazed because I get scared of like a little garter snake in the yard. And I mean, what does he do? He like like introduces a python to an anaconda and sets him up on a date and just says, (laughs) she really likes rats. Yeah, (laughs) Bring her a bouquet of rats. Yeah. (laughs) Let's see what their babies look like. So inside the facility, EMS discover the lifeless body of Ben, and they believe he's been dead for a few hours. 
Ben's wife, Lindley, just fell to pieces. Initially, paramedics said there was a bite mark on Ben, but where was the snake who had done it? So looking back on Ben's life, Ben's parents had owned a successful pet food company. Growing up, Ben showed an interest in reptiles, especially snakes. Ben's brother, Sam, said growing up on the farm was super idyllic. They just had a wonderful childhood, which I could see that because when Mm -hmm. you see the aerial view of this farm, it was breathtaking. Yeah. Ben was also a talented drummer and he played in a a local band. It was at one of his concerts that he met his future wife, Lindley. Lindley was a single mom to a little boy and when her and Ben got together, both Ben's family and Lindley's family said they just made the perfect match. Lindley was very sweet. She was perfect for Ben. She was very outgoing, bubbly. She was everything that Ben ever wanted. Lindell says the couple was a perfect fit. Were you really happy that Lindley had found Ben? Yes. They seemed like a great couple together, and I liked Ben a lot. He was really easy to get along with. Uh, Yeah, I was very happy. Like, Ben and Lindley's dad got along great. Ben was just such a wonderful, likable guy. So, Ben and Lindley married quickly and added a little girl to their family. Ben quit the band and focused on growing his love of reptiles into a business. Lindley was fully on board with it. Ben and Lindley advertised for Rennick Reptiles on YouTube and became quite successful in the community. We are at the beginning of our hatching season. Lindell says breeding and selling snakes was a lot of work, but Lindley didn't mind. Why do you think Lindley was okay with that? Not every woman would be. She loved animals. She loved taking care of things. She was just a compassionate person. Is one of those snakes responsible for Ben's death? So Ben's brother Sam knows that Ben doesn't raise poisonous snakes. So dying from a snake bite just wasn't a possibility. Initially, Sam thought Ben's skull was crushed and had one of, um, he was just wondering if maybe one of the pythons or the anacondas had gotten out and, and like wrapped around his head, wrapped around his chest. But it was unlikely because Ben was extremely experienced when it came to snakes. I mean, that just mm-hmm. wouldn't happen. So the funniest part of the entire episode, Andrea Canning, you know, I think she's just thinking, I want to be a good investigative reporter. So she's speaking to one of Ben's friends in the snake community. And we see Andrea and there is a snake <laughs> That is like wrapped <laughs> yes. around her tiny waist and wrapped around her neck. It's and, trying to wrap around her neck the whole yes. time. And you can just see the fear in her eyes. And she's like, so if if he didn't die from poison, um, how would he exactly have died? You know, and the girl explains, oh, well, he would, you know, have wrapped around his chest or wrapped around his neck. And At you just see the, the sheer panic in her eyes like the snake is like not only around her arm you can see like it's multiple times around her arm but like it's also trying to wrap around her neck as this woman is telling andrea that That, yeah that's that's how they they kill kill you you. (laughs) yes so i know at one point she finally said nope 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 take it off take it off take it off to her credit she stayed with it and she stayed i guess you could say in character because she 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 held on for a while longer than i would have oh my gosh but it turns out according to the coroner it wasn't one of the snakes that killed ben he had actually been shot yeah eight times eight times so like nobody noticed the yeah did nobody they'd see a supposed snake bite but no eight gunshots uh apparently not so in the pool of blood and then they did an inventory of ben snakes and there were none missing yeah okay like because they're just trying to blame the snakes right unjustly unjustly the snakes snakes are traumatized (laughs) because they witnessed somebody murder their best friend like how are they gonna eat now (laughs) exactly 
Exactly. <laughs> but no one in Ben's circle could truly understand why anyone would kill Ben. What is going through your mind when you hear that Ben, ever, who everyone liked, had been shot? I thought it was crazy. Like, he clearly did not deserve it. He was, like, the nicest person, always happy to help. Like, he never seemed to have an issue with anyone. So it was just kind of shocking to heard that he'd been shot. Over and over again, he was just described as one of the nicest guys. Lindley told investigators that she had been at the spa she owned about 45 minutes away. Around 3.45, she received a text from Ben asking if he needed to pick up their kids. Lindley asked Ben to pick the kids up. So she said, I'm not going to be able to get there. Can you go pick them up? On her way home from the spa, their kid's school called and said that Ben hadn't picked the kids up. So Lindley tries to call Ben, but he doesn't answer. When she drove up, she told the kids to stay in the car. And when she walked into the facility, she saw blood. Immediately, she ran out and she called Ben's brother, Sam. So Sam lived on the farm as well. There were multiple homes on this farm mm-hmm. and he lived in a different home. Many people in the snake industry knew both Ben and Lindley and admired the passion the two had. Former NFL linebacker Chad Brown is a successful reptile breeder and owner of a reptile shipping company in Denver. He got to know Ben on the reptile show circuit. I get to know Lindley because Ben brings her to the shows. In the reptile hobby, there's some spouses who are full participants. That makes up a very small minority. So whenever you see a, a, a couple who's at the shows, you kind of take note of that. And then she was more than just a, a tag-along. She was part of the team. After the success of the Renix business, Lindley wanted to open a spa, given that she had a background in massage therapy. Ben and Lindley spent a lot of time and money getting their second business set up. Lindley pointed the finger, though, at Ben's brother, Sam. She basically says, you know, there's a backstory with the land and Ben and Sam. So the backstory is that Frank and Kim Rennick bought the family farm in the 1980s and raised the boys on it. It had a 10,000 square foot home with a pool. In 2008, Kim passed away from cancer and Frank took his own life on Father's Day a few years later, which he was actually found by Ben. Mm -hmm. Lindley explained the mortgage of the farm was put into Ben's name and Sam paid him rent. Sam wanted to change that. Sam wanted Ben to give him half of the property and Ben refused. This, according to Lindley, started a feud between Sam, his wife, and Ben. Sam was on the property when Ben was found and his behavior that day was extremely bizarre to say the least. One of the first responders caught Sam complaining about Ben who was inside dead. First responder Dee Wassman remembered Sam complained about his brother at the crime scene. Chief problems when I hire any help. They were just very off-color remarks to be being made on a scene. What else was he saying? He was saying, that's right, I'm the brother murderer. Many truly thought Sam was involved. Um, Most of the people that were questioned said, don't look at Lindley, look at Sam, look at his brother. So Sam was questioned about Ben's death. Sam lived in his parents' big house, but he told police that he was interviewing a new babysitter when he received a phone call from Lindley screaming. So he kind of had like a, he had a witness to say like when Ben was killed, kind of, that, I mean, he had someone there. Sam told investigators that him and his brother didn't really get along. He claimed that his brother was arrogant and bragged too much for his liking. Sam said he got most of the money while Ben got all of the land. So that kind of explains because when Lindley was talking, I was just like, okay, why would the family not just divide everything equally? But Sam says, well, I got the majority of the money, but he got the land. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, that kind of makes sense. Sam told investigators that the farm was a money pit and he had planned to move off the land anyway. He vehemently denied being involved in Ben's death. 
He was very cooperative with police. He says he never demanded half of the property. It was something that Ben had agreed to because it's what their parents wanted. Sam explained to police that the farm had been robbed more than once and Ben's reptiles were worth a lot of money and many people wanted to get their hands on them. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that could make sense. Maybe this was a robbery gone bad. Maybe this yeah. was a disgruntled customer. I mean, it could be a whole bunch of things. So, Lindley told police that Ben was looking to get out of the reptile business and had even spoken about money to a potential buyer. In another direction, Ben's dad had been indicted on federal charges of mail fraud right before he committed suicide. This is just Lindley. We're just going down these rabbit holes to try and figure out Mm -hmm. who could have done this. Their dad, Frank, had taken money from investors with no intention of paying them back. And if he had been convicted, he could have gone to jail for upwards of 20 years. But his death left a lot of angry investors. So maybe that's something that could have been a motivation. These theories had proven to be rabbit holes. And meanwhile, Lindley's behavior wasn't exactly that of a shattered widow. Mm-hmm. Lindley asked Ben's friend, David Levinson, to help with Ben's snake farm, and he did. So when Lindley reached out to David about Ben's one-of-a-kind creations, he didn't hesitate. You're on a flight to Missouri to help with the collection. Um, with essentially, the anything I could help with. Um, just, yes, just headed right out there when I had the first chance. David put his own life on hold and took charge. For weeks, he fed the snakes and cleaned their cages, all in the same facility where his friend was shot eight times. He put his own life on hold to help Lindley for a time, all for free. Lindley left the farm to move in with her dad. While cleaning one day, David found a shell casing um, by one of the snake's cages, and he turned it into police, but unfortunately, nothing happened, and the case just started to get quiet. Lindley isolated herself and the children away from Ben's family, and pretty Quickly, they kind of discovered why. She had a new boyfriend named Brandon Blackwell, and she was pregnant by Brandon. And, you know, people said they understood that Lindley needed to move on. I mean, Mm -hmm. they they got it. Lindley sold the beloved uh, Rennick family farm without telling anyone. Sam was given a 30-day notice that his family would have to leave. Can you imagine that's that's the house that 30 you, days. That's the house that you grow up on. Yeah. You know, Lindley left all of Ben's things at the farm for the new owner to keep. She didn't disperse any of his stuff. Mm-hmm. She just said here, you know, I don't want anything. It's like she was trying to erase them all together. The man who had put his life on hold to take care of Ben's snake collection for free, mind you, also felt betrayed when he learned that Lindley was selling Ben's snakes without even talking to him first. When Dave confronted Lindley, she got nasty with him and it was a Lindley that he had never seen before. Mm -hmm. It's like she switched from this sweet, soft-spoken woman to this just venomous, angry woman. Like a Jekyll and Hyde kind of thing. Yes, Lindley's dad said she had nothing to do with the sale of the Rennick home. It was the trustee who made that decision. But who was the trustee is my question. That's that's a good question. Okay, so on top of that, like we said, Lindley was dating this guy named Brandon. Yeah. She got pregnant, had a baby. Well, it didn't take long. The relationship turned tumultuous. And Brandon was actually arrested for assault. And Lindley was granted a restraining order. Mm -hmm. Brandon ended up going to jail for felony stalking. Police couldn't find a connection between Brandon and Ben's death, but while he was sitting in jail, they decided to ask him if he had any knowledge of Ben's death. The whole Brandon situation, dreadful as it sounds, didn't seem to have any connection to Ben Rennick's murder. But when investigators heard about it, it gave them an idea. Brandon had been so taken with Lindley the first time they interviewed him, he hadn't offered much. But now that things had soured, they thought maybe he'd say more. 
she's got him convinced that I'm this evil, savage human, and I'm the farthest thing from that. My information is out of the horse's mouth. Okay. The whole situation. Brandon says as their relationship progressed, he wondered if Lindley knew more about Ben's death than she was saying. I just, you know, just had a really odd, strange feeling about it, and just little stories weren't right, and so, yeah, I kind of kept poking her about it, and, you know, it was like, just laid out like, you know, if it's going to go anywhere, you know, I need to know what really happened. By January of 2020, Brandon, who was in jail, sat down with investigators. Brandon claimed Lindley had made up the claims against him. He said that Lindley and him had been having an affair, and she told Brandon that the marriage was over. Ben wanted out because she supposedly was sinking money into her business, and the two were headed towards a divorce. According to Brandon, Lindley asked an old boyfriend, one who had a history of drugs named Michael Humphrey, to help her kill Ben. She claimed Michael owed her because he had gotten her addicted to painkillers. That's an interesting... And y'all, if you hear baby in the background, it's my sweet little munchkin. It's little baby man. It's baby Cade. He said he's tired of taking a nap. On the day of the murder, Lindley left the spa picked up Michael, went to the farm, grabbed the gun, and walked in and shot Ben eight times. Brandon said he's kept this secret and that's part of the reason she wants him locked up so bad. In the background, what the public didn't know was that police had been looking into Lindley. Police obtained a warrant and arrested both Michael Humphrey and Lindley. Lindley's family and friends believed her innocence and that Brandon Blackwell was a liar who used this opportunity to get out of jail. The children are her life. She would do anything to protect them kids and to take care of them. That was what she lived for. And it wasn't just Lindley's loved ones who felt the police had it wrong. EMT D. Wassman, who'd been at the scene the day Ben was killed, didn't buy it either. When I found out that Lindley had been arrested, I called her defense attorney and told them I did not think Lindley was guilty and that if I could help in any way to please contact me. Dusty Brashler was also in Lindley's camp. She's an investigator for the Missouri State Public Defender's Office. She met Lindley for the first time in the county jail. I mean, I've, I've met with a lot of people accused of a lot of different crimes, and it just was, it felt off. It felt wrong. To Dusty, Lindley was an unusually straightforward client. I would ask questions. She would answer them. She never held back. She, she was an open book. It was easy to get information out of her. On December 6, 2021, I just smell a little, I just hear a little, little, little piggy. Lindley Rennick went on trial for the murder of her husband, Ben Rennick. Prosecutors claim that she didn't just involve her old boyfriend, Michael Humphrey. She also included the manager of her spa to help with her cover up. <laughs> this story just keeps getting wilder and wilder. And I just, there's so many possibilities here. It is just so incredibly bizarre. The state's star witness, Ashley Shaw, was who was granted immunity for her part, claimed that Lindley had been confiding in her for some time that she wasn't happy in the marriage. Why would you help your boss try to kill her husband? Um, I think I felt sorry for her. Um, it was a surreal situation, so it's kind of hard to explain what I was feeling at the time. She wanted out. 
Lindley claimed that Ben was abusive both emotionally and sexually. She was scared to divorce him because he had the means to take their children away. Ashley claimed that Lindley asked for her help murdering Ben. About a week before his murder, Lindley had put prescription painkillers in Ben's protein shake, which made him violently ill but didn't kill him. When that plan failed, Lindley tracked down her old boyfriend, Michael Humphrey. Ashley claimed that Lindley left her phone at the spa so that she could text pretending to be Lindley. That's how the whole texting, Mm -hmm. you know, so she could say, no, I was at the spa. You can track my phone, yada, yada. Right, right, right. Lindley supposedly returned to the spa, showered, then went back to the farm to find Ben. Lindley told Ashley that Michael was supposed to shoot Ben, but was too nervous, so she had to do it. Another employee at the spa also testified that Lindley had spoken to her about what happened and it reflected what Ashley had said. What did she tell you? Her and Michael Humphreys, Lindley and Michael Humphreys, were going to take a gun and go see Ben, and they said they were going to murder him. The prosecution had Michael Humphrey testify as well. He says he hadn't seen Lindley in seven years when she showed up at his house asking for help killing Ben. He thought she was joking. She told Michael she decided not to murder Ben, but wanted someone with her to provide support as she got her things. So she called her ex-boyfriend. Yeah, from seven years ago, who she knows has a drug problem. You know... If I was going to kill somebody, I would not call my ex-boyfriend to help me out. Yeah, who is sketch AF. Yeah. You know, the, the whole story, just it just gets yeah. more and more bizarre. It's just insane. There is a purchase for gas on Lindley's card. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it kind of, that right there goes against her alibi mm-hmm. of her while I was at the spa. Like, the no, time, right? we know you were getting gas close to your house at this time, mm-hmm. which was on the way to the farm. Michael said that Lindley introduced Michael as a high schooler interested in snakes. He was looking at the snakes when he heard gunshots going off. She screamed at Michael to jump in the car and they took off. There was also evidence presented that Lindley had been having multiple affairs. Oh. Lindley's defense was that everyone was lying for different reasons. Ashley was leaned on, which whatever that means. I mean, they have no reason to lean on someone randomly. Right. Michael was getting a reduced sentence because he had already been tried and proven guilty. And the motive was ridiculous because Lindley's mother was a social worker. And I mean, this is true. You you do have to have significant proof. Right. To remove and, children from their mother. And Lindley knew that. Right. So the whole theory of, oh, he's going to, I'm going to kill him because he's going to take my kids mm-hmm. is not plausible. Their defense gets even stupider because mm-hmm. it, it's just a bad defense. Now, she, they did test her for gunshot residue and mm-hmm. they didn't find any, but that also ties back into she went and took a shower. Yeah. I mean, true. It, she washed it off. True. The defense was to point the finger at Michael. So Lindley took the stand and she admitted that she lied to police. Mm-hmm. Why were you really there? To ask Ben for a divorce. You weren't going to kill Ben? No. Lindley also said she'd only asked Michael to come with her to the farm because she was afraid of how Ben might react. And she said she was absolutely floored when Michael pulled out a gun. Michael turned around and I saw a gun in his hands and then I heard shots ring out and I screamed and I ran outside. And then I heard more shots go off and everything just went numb. A thought that was in my mind at that point that Ben was dead or could be dead. Lindley said it was only later when she got a call from her kid's school that she realized Ben might really be hurt. Is this when that, for lack of a better word, fantasy that nothing had happened started to crack for you? Yes. I just started to panic because Ben wouldn't not pick the kids up. 
But to the prosecutor, Lindley's story sounded preposterous. If you're willing to lie to the police about such a vital matter, why should these jurors now believe you? I was lying to protect myself, and I told a lot of really awful lies just to do that. All I can do now is just sit up here and tell the truth. She claimed that she brought Michael to be with her when she asked Ben for a divorce. Her intention was never to murder Ben. She claimed that she and Ben both drank a bad protein shake and got sick. She claimed that Michael pulled out a gun and started shooting Ben. The two drove back to the spa where she said that she realized Ben might be dead when the kids school called and um, they hadn't been picked up. So you hear gunshots inside with your ex-boyfriend and your husband. Yeah. The ex-boyfriend runs out and your immediate thought is, oh, we should just go and leave. Yeah. And, he, and he'll be fine. T- yeah, he'll be fine. We're, but I we're not going to check on him. I not any calls stating that, hey, yeah. I got shot at. Yeah. Nothing. Not going to run out. Like, I don't feel the need to go check on him. He's clean. Right. Right. I mean, it's just, it's the most bizarre defense I've ever heard. Right. Lindley basically claimed that Michael had threatened her that he would would kill her if she went to the police. But what motivation does Michael have to kill him? Yeah. You know, yeah. there's none what, what provided. Is, what does he get out of it? Right. The jury had options for different verdicts. One was they could send her to jail for life, or the other was as few as 10 years. It all depended on what they believed. It took 12 hours to reach a verdict. And she was found guilty of second degree murder. The judge sentenced Lindley to 13 years plus another three years for another conviction that they really didn't deep dive into. But apparently it wasn't really associated with this. So Mm -hmm. a total of 16 years. So Lindley talked to Dateline. She echoed what she told the jurors about going to the farm to ask Ben for a divorce. But Dateline discovered that she had sent nude photos of herself early uh, to Ben earlier that day. Andrea Canning's reaction to that was just kind of funny. Why did you send Ben nude photos that day if you were planning on going there to talk to him about separating? I, uh, I don't have a very healthy relationship with sex or my body and it is very much a way and in that moment was a way to put Ben in a good mood and make him happy. How would that continue to make him happy? It wouldn't continue to make him happy but you've never tried to soften the blow? Not like that no. Okay. And even her, did you notice though that this girl like was barely crying? Oh yeah, she sent, she tried to sound like she was crying. There wasn't a tear coming no. out of her eye. She's like, you've never tried to um, you know, brace someone or by like sending distract them, them, put them in a better mood. Pictures. And Andrea Canning's like, not like that. She goes, okay. <laughs> like tears just automatically you know dried up. But yeah, so her story was that she brought Michael to be a support while she went mm-hmm. and touch base with Ben about wanting a divorce after she sent him naked pictures of herself and Michael. Were they having an affair, she and Michael? Like, I I don't know. I don't think it was said in the documentary, but I'm just trying to wrap my mind around. Okay, even if you're telling the truth, like, why would you call your ex-boyfriend that you hadn't seen in In years? seven years. Yeah, to come come and support you while you have to break the news to your current husband that you want a divorce. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, it's just crazy. Lindley's interview with Andrea Canning just came across as narcissistic. She said that Four people were purposely lying about her part in the murder. And some of these four people had no connection to one another. But also, like, why in the world would she point the finger at Sam if she knew that he wasn't involved? Like, she purposely pointed the finger at the brother. Right. Knowing he wasn't involved. So, she is in jail. She'll be in jail for at least 
16 years. Her oldest son and daughter uh, with Ben are being raised by Ben and Lindley's family. And her child with Brandon is being raised by Brandon. And the Rennick farm was sold. Because he the baby's being raised by Brandon because the charges against him were dropped when she was convicted, right? Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. he did get out. He did get out of it. I just have so many questions about some of the players in this story. Like the the two um, employees from the spa that were just like, sure, I'll help you kill your husband. Right. Like they were, they were nothing, they were getting nothing out of it. Like what motivation do you have here? Like this is not the way to help your friend. Well, yeah. I mean, at any point, any one of them could put a stop to yeah. this, you know. And they so, could have, but they didn't. Yeah. That's just weird. Yeah, it was crazy. But yeah, so that is the story of uh, Venom and the cold-hearted snake. And, and aside from, you know, Ben is obviously the victim here, but I really feel like the snakes are a victim here. Yeah. Trying to get yeah. blamed for everything. Staying your ground, snakes. Staying your ground. <laughs> we believe you, snakes. Just don't come near us. Yep. Well, Sarah, that about wraps up this episode. Um, any Any ideas for next week or? Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm paying attention to baby Kate. No, I don't. Oh, no. I have, not at the moment, but I'm sure we'll figure something out. Okay, well, we will see y'all next time. Bye, guys. Bye. Say bye.